0: Applying God's Word to every aspect of life. This is Theology Applied.
1: All right, welcome. This is Pastor Joel with Right Response Ministries. This is another episode of our podcast slash show called Theology Applied. Uh, Today I'm privileged to have as our guest uh, Pastor Jeff Durbin with Apologia Church an apology of ministries, apology of radio, apology of everything. So we've got Jeff Durbin uh, with us, and um, I'm going to go ahead and just give him a, a moment to introduce himself, and then we'll go ahead and get into our topic for today. Uh, Jeff, thanks for coming on the show.
0: My pleasure, brother. So, uh, pastor at Apologia Church in uh, Arizona, and. Uh, yeah, what do you, what do you want to know? <laughs> I don't know what, uh, what do
1: you what do you do? What are you, what are you known for? What are you you know what what do you do? What's your what's on your heart? What's your ministry? Yeah. What, what are, what's Apologia all about?
0: So we uh, had our 11th year uh, anniversary. Uh, actually, well, it's technically February 28th, the day after my birthday. Um, Is when our 11th year anniversary was this year. Uh, planted Apologia Church out of a drug rehab uh, downtown Phoenix. Um, And I was a chaplain there for many years, and we planted that church after I was a pastor at a church um, in in, uh, Awatukee, Phoenix, and uh, Apologia Church initially was just a ragtag bunch of new believers that came out of drug and alcohol addiction uh, from that hospital, uh, so 11 years ago, so praise God for that. And uh, yeah, just a pastor, one of the pastors of Apologia Church. We have a number of different ministries uh, Apologia Studios, uh, I created uh, 2015, um, and uh, so Luke and I sort of uh, co-found that and work it together. Apologia Studios is, is sort of an outreach arm of Apologia Church and uh, focusing on teaching, focusing on engagement with the cults, with uh, secular and humanist culture. Uh, so there's a ton of stuff there of on-the-street on engagement, public debates, moderated public debates, and uh, just tons and tons of uh, hopefully helpful resources to Christians uh, that's uh, that's seen all around the world millions of times a month. And uh, that's Apologia Studios. We have a ministry called End Abortion Now that's focusing on the the end, the abolition or criminalization of abortion in our world. We have uh, over 600 local churches that we've been able to raise up and, uh, and equip to go out and save lives at the abortion mill, but also to speak uh, prophetically with the word of God to their local legislature. And so we have a number of bills we're working on this year uh, to criminalize or abolish abortion in different states. Uh, we just had one dropped in Arizona in January, and, um, and we have one. We're actually flying out to Austin uh, end of this month, actually, March, uh, to uh, help with the bill that's there, the Bill of Abolition there in, in, in Texas. And so we also have some stuff going on in South Carolina. We have a number of different states that in 2021, uh, we're hoping to also introduce bills of criminalization and abolition. So uh, thousands and thousands of children have been saved through that ministry uh, at the abortion mills. And uh, we're working to, to engage this issue distinctly as Christians with the gospel itself and the Christian worldview, God's standards of justice and, and, and law uh, we're working to, uh, to end abortion, to not regulate it, but to actually criminalize and end abortion. And so God's just been blessing that in many, many ways. It's humbling to, to see him bring it all together and accomplish all these things with his church. And so, yeah, I'm a, one of the pastors at Apologia, uh, the planting pastor. Um, uh, we have Pastor Luke Pearson, Pastor Zach Morgan, who does Provoked, uh, the show here at Apologia, and uh, Dr. James White is also a pastor at Apologia Church.
1: Yep, great. I uh, Yeah, I got the privilege of recently being on Provoked, but uh, Zach was out. His his wife was um, getting rocked by uh, by COVID. And, yes. Uh, so we yeah, were praying actually, for him. And,
0: we, uh, she actually was one of the people that had it. Uh, and it was it was a, it was a difficult task to get over it.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's weird. I mean, for some people, it's. A sniffle, you know, and then every now and then, like, yeah, people, we get hard and... we've
0: had it, of course, in Arizona, we've had church members that got it, we we had them quarantine and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh Not many, but just a couple had gotten it from people at work or things like that. And so we we try to follow biblical guidelines as to how do you deal with a pandemic. And it's, I think, right surprising to some people that scripture actually talks about how to handle things like this. And so That's we right. followed uh biblical law in terms of quarantine, quarantining the sick and the vulnerable and those sorts of things. Right. And, uh, yeah. Number of our people just, it was, it was just piece of cake. They got right over, it. they had it and they were, they were back on their feet in no time. And uh, yeah, pastor Zach's wife, she, she had some trouble, uh, but praise God, yeah. she got over it.
1: Praise God. Yeah. My wife and I, we, right when we moved um, from San Diego, California to Texas, it's like two days after we, um, You know, after we made the move, we, um, us and our three children got COVID, and it was, you know, it was pretty pretty breezy for us, a couple days of fever, and yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I, I don't want to, well, there's a number of reasons, but one of them is I I just, I don't want to encourage as a pastor Christians to lie, Um, and I think it's lying uh, when we pretend, when God in his gracious providence um, gives us physical health and we pretend as though we're sick. Mm-hmm. so if you 're sick, act like you 're sick if you 're healthy don 't act like you 're sick yeah. um, i don 't think that 's and, helpful
0: and, and, and yeah. do, exactly right brother and don 't don 't lie and act like you 're sick to the detriment of your neighbor in in the sense that uh, the way that this whole thing has been handled we've we 've destroyed so many neighbors and livelihoods and mm-hmm. businesses uh, while yep. we 're lying about our health condition and we 're right. lying about uh, right. the virus itself and, and how destructive it is and those sorts
1: of things. Yeah. So yeah, and we've made argue- too big of a gap between well, real quick. I was just going to say we've, we've drawn too big as Christians who should have a biblical worldview. We we've drawn too big of a gap between life and livelihood, yeah. right? Like, I mean, the old Testament says you shall not take as, as, you know, collateral as a debt, a man's millstone, his tools for his trade, for it is, it doesn't say livelihood. It says it is his life. Yeah. It's his life. and And it's not just his life. In that particular case, we're not just talking about the physical health of one individual, their one individual life, but we're talking about the life of him and his wife, his children, those that he provides for, and uh, yeah, it's not loving your neighbor. And it's ironic uh, that in having had the virus and developing the antibodies the old-fashioned way, you know, not not with the vaccine, but but the old-fashioned way, it's really cool how my wife and I and our three children are able to really love our neighbors uh, by providing a safe place, not saying that you should have a COVID party and go out and try to get sick. But, but it, in God's providence, if you do get sick, and by God's providence and His grace, you do recover. Um, we, we literally work as a biological buffer, as a defense um, for other people, because we, uh, we've we already had the virus and yeah. and we're not getting it again. And so it's, it's cool that we're able to love our neighbors by providing a safe place for them to come and to fellowship and to be with us, knowing yeah. that, you that, that, yeah. so...
0: Yeah, and, yeah. The, and the key principle here, we've tried, to, we've tried to highlight all year. We were a church that never closed, uh, never required masks. Uh, we, we thought and fought hard to get to the text of Scripture, think of all the argumentation, look at all the data when this thing first started happening and they started doing the shutdowns. And we came to the conclusion based upon Scripture and biblical principles and just wisdom uh, that we couldn't uh, in, in con- good conscience before God closed down. And one of the key issues was the point of loving our neighbors. And I did, I did highlight when I spoke on this publicly and we gave a, a sermon on it to address this biblically and as a church, I did highlight the fact that it is interesting that... People were being manipulated with, you need to love your neighbor by staying home, love your neighbor by closing your business, love your neighbor by doing this, to let your life be destroyed so you can love your neighbor. What Mm -hmm. I suggested was that I love the love your neighbor thing because that's a command from Scripture, but we need to love all of our neighbors, not just some of our neighbors. And destroying the larger section of neighbors for the sake of these neighbors over here is not loving nor is it just nor is it wise mm-hmm. and so we need to be yep. in a place as christians that we think comprehensively and not myopically
1: yeah i agree it was I, I i use similar language with my church we um we ended up skipping four four lord's days um and uh we did a live stream. We were clear with our people that it's not church. Um, It's not a substitute for the church. Um, So we just said, we're not having church, but here's a resource for you. Um, So we did it for four weeks and then we gathered again, April 26. And so we, you know, we didn't quit long. We started gathering uh, at the end of April and it took a while for us to, well, it, it took a while to persuade our people, but it also took a while for our elders to be persuaded. We just Um, a lot of local churches, I'm sure you're aware, like just nationally within denominations, but also elder boards within individual local churches. There's just been a lot of division on this particular topic. And so, uh, it was hard for us to get through, but when we finally, uh, did and, and, and a couple of our elders, um, well, one of them was persuaded and one of them was outvoted. Um, but when we finally did begin to gather again, um, The first sermon that I preached was, you know, the second sermon I preached was a public address in regards to COVID and similar language to you. But rather than just saying um, we want to love all of our neighbors, I I really stress the point of we want to love all of our neighbors. And we also want to love all of our neighbor. Our neighbor, uh, we're we're not Gnostic. Um, Our our neighbor is not just, uh, we can't sever the body and the soul. And we certainly can't pretend as though we're merely a body without a an, an eternal soul that, that's going to live forever. And so uh, we want to love all of our neighbor. And um, and ultimately what we're doing um, is we are in our attempts to preserve the body. Um, I believe that we are threatening the soul. And, and I, I made an argument. I structured it from cross-referencing Hebrews 10, that everyone was using, but cross-referencing it with Hebrews three, and so Hebrews ten, twenty-four, and twenty-five talks about stirring one another, being eager to stir one another up to you know love and good works and spur one another on, and then it says not forsaking the gathering. And so I, I exegeted that, saying, all right, I, I think that part of what the author to the Hebrews is getting at is that the chief context for stirring one another up is the Lord's Day gathering of the saints with the administration, the ministering of the ordinary means of grace, publicly preaching the word, publicly praying the word, publicly singing the word, and publicly seeing the word, as it were, in the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism. And this is the context, not the only, but the premier context in which we stir one another up. And then Hebrews 3, cross-referencing over, Hebrews 3 talks about how uh, we should stir one another up so that, and it gives kind of a like stirring one another up is like a, like a method of defense to guard against a, a potential, which is that there might be found in any of you, and he says, brothers, brothers, beware that there might be found in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. And so I, I saw it as, all right, the Lord's Day gathering of the saints is the premier context in which we stir one another up, and stirring one another up is one of the chief defenses that the Lord has given to the saints to guard from apostasy. Mm. To guard us from falling away, and so ultimately what we 're doing by forsaking the gathering is we are at at the at the cost of preserving the soul we 're seeking to preserve the body so mm. we're 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 seeking to preserve the body, but we 're jeopardizing the soul and um and so you know we want to love all of our neighbors, not just the elderly and those with existing conditions that might be more vulnerable to the virus. We want to love all of our neighbors, that father who's trying to provide for his wife and five kids so I love that you said that. Um, but also not just all of our neighbors, but all of our neighbor, his body and his soul, and, um, well, and by God's grace, I'm,
0: I'm going to take that from <laughs> now on, brother.
1: <laughs> by God's grace, a lot of our people were um, persuaded, and and at this point, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this too. Every, pretty much everybody that I can see, yeah, maybe not everybody, but a lot of Christians, I think, have come around. A lot of pastors, a lot of leaders have come around, and you know, you just kind of have to. You just take what you get in ministry, you know, take what you can get. Um, A lot of times people will switch a position, um, but not really acknowledge that they changed. I I know. Like I've always been here. Like there's no inconsistency with with what I preached uh, for four months ago and what I'm preaching, you know, and and come on, man.
0: I'm glad for everyone that's here now, and I'll ignore some of the Welcome
1: to the team. Yeah, welcome praise to the God. team. We won't we won't force you to do the walk of shame. I wish that you would admit it, we're but we all
0: keep our mouths shut and just praise God for what He's done.
1: Right. Yeah. Amen. All right. Cool. Well, um, kind of getting to our topic at hand, although I, I feel like that hopefully would be beneficial for people as yeah. well. But um, I, I wanted to talk to you. I, I don't know if we could title this, you know, this episode anything. I was thinking, you know, we could title it a theology of bull S-H-I-T. Um, and the reason for the title being a little bit quirky and, and shamelessly, you know, going for the, the clickbait there. But uh, part of the reason for that is because it's a term, bull crap or S-H-I-T is what you have specifically said, is a term that you used uh, back in the fall of 2020 last year at the Fight, Laugh, Feast Conference. I was there. I got to meet you in person. Yeah. And um, free, I'm friends with uh, Gabe Wrench. He's actually one of the guys on our board with Right Response Ministries. And so I'm grateful for their ministry, incredibly grateful for yours. I thought your sermon was one of the better sermons that i've heard i thought that it was absolutely necessary to to use such strong language because we're talking about um well we're talking about not just something that's distracting from the gospel but a false gospel that's in direct yeah. opposition to the gospel of oh. jesus it replaces repentance with penance it, it, there's no you know there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus but there is forever condemnation for those in the woke church and the way you addressed it was wonderful marxism wokeism all all that stuff and so i just wanted to give you a chance to to help our listeners understand tone as it relates to the pulpit uh the need at times for a serrated edge um, and even even crude seemingly crude language um sparingly but but at times and uh, you know so could you give us your reasoning and the biblical defense for why you said what you said
0: well i think you started off brother. i think in the, the clearest possible terms in terms of like okay what are we really talking about here? We're, we're talking right. about not should we have head coverings in church? We're not talking right. about adiophora. That would be that would be wrong. It would be sinful. Uh, it'd be abusive. It would be um, something that disrupted unity for for someone to use this kind of strong, serrated edge against uh, issues that are adiophora, They're side issues. They're secondary issues. So we're not talking about. Um, we're not talking about being an abusive person or having foul speech on the regular, right. and especially not over issues that are ultimately issues that can be debated. Uh, we can do it in a way that is serious, and we can do it in a way that is vigorous. And, but um, we're, we're talking about a soul-destroying doctrine, a church-destroying doctrine. Uh, this yeah. ideology is pernicious, and I think—here's I, I, what's interesting. This isn't new. This has been around – it's it's, it's as old as the hills. It's it's as long back as you want to look in terms of these kinds of soul-destroying doctrines. But specifically, we're talking about Marxism. We're talking about dialectical materialism. We're talking about neo-Marxism. We're talking about the Frankfurt School. We're talking about what takes place. uh, In the 60s, and the very concerted effort, uh, and very let's be honest, they were good at it Uh, getting into media, getting into academia, getting into government, and working this long, long strategy to essentially convert. Uh, the the Western system, the American system, uh, at least specifically, to a Marxist ideology, socialist ideology. They all kind of sort of start to blend together in many, many ways. Uh, Let's be honest, they're very, very successful. Um, This slow chipping away at uh, a nation, uh, let's just say the West, that has this historic biblical Christian tradition and view of the world, worldview, uh, just sort of in the atmosphere – you can't come into a nation like that and, um, and, and turn it upside down overnight with these kind of uh, evil uh, ideologies. So they had to work long and work hard, and they right. did. And they did it very successfully. And, uh, of course, what we're talking about in terms of the woke movement and this kind of class conflict that's been propagated and is being promoted constantly every single day, I think people, of course, saw it 15 years ago. They saw it 10 years ago. It was was clear less than a decade ago. But what's amazing now is the the speed at which it is working and operating and infecting. Once once largely people start to, at least apparently, accept uh, wokeism and intersectionality and critical race theory and all of these things, uh, it seems to just spread so fast. I mean, it is just mm. everywhere and all places. And now it's, of course, getting into major Christian institutions and organizations. It's highly funded. Uh, they've got lots of money. And uh, it's getting into organizations that historically, at least historically, even fairly recently, historically, were seen as uh, strong biblical uh, organizations um, and uh, it's in churches all over the United States of America mm-hmm. now. You have right. um, what used to be seen as solid churches even just a couple of years ago out in the right. streets with BLM and LGBT supporters raising the Marxist fist. Um, I saw a pastor that I know and I love, and I, I've done work with him, uh, goodness, even as, as as near to us as six, seven years ago um, on the regular I saw him out and about in some of these marches, uh, holding up the Marxist fist. And uh, this hmm. thing is is deadly, spiritually speaking. Uh, there is no atonement in this That's in right. this woke ideology. The atonement is a moot point. Um, it it forces people to think in terms of uh, uh, I, your identity not being in Christ. Um, right. Not that being the, the fundamental aspect of your thinking and reality and um, your life, my union with Christ and our right. union with Jesus Christ and the Word of God as is the, is the premier foundation, final foundation upon which we a- answer these questions about justice and righteousness and morality in society. This is an ideology that will destroy the church, is destroying the church, destroys the gospel, uh, will continue to destroy the gospel. So, what, so what's really important to gather here is we ask the question, like, well, why would Jeff Durbin, who does not cuss um, and doesn't, doesn't speak like this, why would he use that term um, at a conference? Why? And my answer is because of the nature of the case because of the nature of this soul-destroying doctrine, because of the nature of this gospel-destroying doctrine, because of the nature of this church-destroying doctrine. You do see in Scripture throughout, and and in a a show like this, we wouldn't even uh, come close to being able to touch uh, all the places in Scripture that we can demonstrate. Scripture uses sometimes far more dramatic language than you heard me use at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. As a matter of fact, I had to confess uh days after um, that i i i I faced a little bit of cowardice. Um, I had written in my notes um, some verses that I was going to read from that I thought as i was as I was going through it, if I add this, it may be a little too heavy, but I resisted preaching what is directly in scripture, word for word because I felt in that moment uh, a tinge of cowardice uh, that I'm afraid to say this right now. Uh, Scripture uses some very harsh, dramatic language when dealing Mm -hmm. with soul-destroying ideologies. Um, Mm -hmm. You see this in Jesus, Jesus, who is God incarnate. He is the Holy One. He is perfect, and He is righteous. He confronts um, uh, the kind of soul-destroying sinful behavior Uh, that we're talking about, say, with the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, when he pronounces seven woes, the seven woes upon the Pharisees and the leadership in Jerusalem, he uses language against them that is not the meek and mild Jesus. It's not the Jesus you see in the paintings, you know, holding a lamb. And, and, And as my fellow pastor says, Pastor James, there is a place for that. Portrait of Jesus, the chef, the Good mm-hmm. Shepherd who holds the Lamb, but that is that is not the whole picture of Jesus. Jesus is no. the one that goes into the temple to cleanse it twice uh, to purify God's house and does things there that let's be honest um, if he did it in the modern era, it would definitely roll over a lot of people's uh, sensitivities and they would say Jesus yep. you're not being very christlike. Um, Jesus spoke to people who were destroying people's souls in ways that was honest and in ways that were graphic. Um, and I, if you, if you want sort of a highlight, um, I, I used it in the sermon and I built a case for it before I even did it. Uh, before I even said what I said, Ezekiel uses language, uh, let me just say this. In in some of Ezekiel's descriptions of the harlot wife of God, uh, you won't find many sermons on Sunday mornings working through that expositionally, um, talking about uh, his wife is such a harlot that she looks for lovers with the biggest members who ejaculate mm-hmm. like horses, I think is the, right. is the word. Uh, that's yeah. some pretty dramatic and graphic language and imagery, that you're such a harlot that you are different. Than other harlots and other prostitutes, in that you, you go and you offer yourself to all these other surrounding nations to commit sexual immorality with them. This covenant unfaithfulness, this disobedience, and um, you offer yourself to them. But you're different than other pro- prostitutes because they get paid for what they do, and you never asked right. for payment. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, you look for lovers with the biggest members. And look, that's that's a, 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 that's a way to soften the language. We know what that means. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is how God describes, um, let's call it a church his covenant people who are walking in unfaithfulness they're disobeying god they're abandoning god and he says well you're you're such you're such a slut that um, you offer yourself to everybody you don't get paid for what you do i made you beautiful and you went off and you played the harlot with everybody and you're so he 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 tries to express her lustfulness for sin to such a degree mm. that he says you're like you're like that slut that is so far gone that she's looking for the lovers with the biggest and who ejaculate so much that's graphic and that's in god's holy Mm -hmm. and inspired word and god said that and so
1: right god said it
0: fast forward (laughs) to the 21st century in the west let's be honest people are losing their jobs because of wokeism people are losing their Mm -hmm. churches because of wokeism they're losing their souls because of wokeism. Mm-hmm. And so as a minister of the gospel who was given the task to confront these sort of cultural idols and a number of them, now I'm dealing with one that sort of blends them all together that is destroying the church. It is destroying the West. It will destroy our grandchildren. If they get what they want, the, all of the work biblically that's been done to, to bring healing to the nations will be at least temporarily halted, destroyed, wiped away and have to be right. rebuilt again. That's what's going mm-hmm. on. Uh, whole churches are blowing up over this. Pastors are losing mm-hmm. their positions in ministry because of this. It's happening locally here. And so what mm-hmm. I did is I demonstrated at the beginning of that sermon that God's Word tells us how to deal with all these things. When we're engaging these cultural idols or any issue whatsoever, we have a standard that we're standing on. The Word of God is the princip- principium. It's the, it's the reference point. It's the standard. And we stand on it, our feet are firmly planted in the Word of God all of the word of God. And I demonstrated that in all these different ideologies, they're standing on a different foundation. They have a different platform. They have chosen a different perspective of reality, knowledge, ethics, how you should live your life, love, beauty, truth, goodness, all that stuff. And so they're standing on their standard. We're standing on this standard. What I was trying to point out and point to was not only does this ideology that's destroying the church and the gospel need to be dealt with harshly, with the kind of language like Paul uses when he uses a word that um, is not a nice word. It's foul mm-hmm. um, in Philippians. And everyone knows, you know, scuba on and, and that discussion has been ha- had forever, but I wanted to step into their position. I want to step into their position. They want to abandon scripture. They want to abandon God's standards of righteousness and justice. They want to abandon God as the central reference point and scripture as the defining documents as to what is true lovely, beautiful, all of that. And so what I wanted to do is use a serrated edge against them like scripture does. I wanted to make sure I I classified them as they really are, the way that God classifies his harlot wife. And I wanted to step into their position. They don't want scripture. They want the world. They don't want scripture. They want Marx. They want Engels. Mm -hmm. They want Soros. They want that. They want to abandon God's word, historical Christian tradition. They want out of even Christian praxis And they want to adopt this worldly ideology, this sinful, evil ideology. And so what I wanted to do is use a word that was not only sharp, definitional, but also a word that actually comports with the world that they've chosen. That's Mm. a a word that they understand in their circles. I'm speaking their language. And so this isn't language that happens at Pastor Jeff Durbin's house. You can ask my wife, you can ask my children, you can ask my church. uh, Is this something that Pastor Jeff does? Is he regularly just sort of flip off at the mouth and, and have foul language and those sorts of things? And my family would be horrified, horrified, if they ever heard me talking like this. And I praise God for that because I didn't come from a house like that, and I wasn't like that before Christ. I use that word, and it's very important. I've said this before. Before I gave that uh, uh, conference message, um, I spoke to my elders, and I ran it through them, and I gave my biblical reasoning, and I gave my strategy, and I gave my heart's desires to what I was trying to do. So this wasn't something mm-hmm. off the cuff. This wasn't something that All I right, did right. Uh, simply to agitate and uh, try to, you know be provocative. This was something that I believed was necessary to do biblically especially in the time that we're in. I believe that um, it's my responsibility to treat this as the evil that it is. And I got permission. Yep. <laughs> this wasn't something I, I worked on on my own and I just did without accountability. I got the approval of my elders before I did this and they understood my motives. They understood my biblical reasoning. And that's why I did what I did. And Amen. if somebody
1: asked I agree me, with everything you said. If, Go if, ahead. If
0: somebody asked me, brother, would you do it again? My answer is not only would I do it again, not only did I mean it, um, mm-hmm. but if I did it again, I would have kept those verses in that I was too afraid to use.
1: Amen. That's great. Praise God. I completely agree with everything you said, and I think that's a wonderfully um, practical, personal, and most importantly, biblical defense. Uh, I want to comment on a couple things you said because you, you said sure. so many good things. i got to go back for a second. So, uh, I want to generally respond, but before that, I want to make a side point. You you talked about how just the world, you know, from the 60s has just been successful. You you just mentioned that there's there's success in this agenda that they've been pushing and they play the long game. And um, I can't help thinking, you know, coming from, you know, my my previous theology, you know, I was born in America in 1986. So along with anybody else raised in a typical American church, I was Pre mill you know I, I watched the Left Behind series you know and and uh, dispensational you know c- couldn't tell you the word or spell it or pronounce it, you know still probably would struggle with the spelling to be fair to be honest, but uh, but you know couldn't pronounce it didn't know what it meant, but I was you know th- th- there's so many you know r c Sproul, you know everybody's a theologian you're just either a good one or a bad one, and so you know with my pre mill eschatology and dispensational and two kingdomism yeah. um I think a lot of Christians fall into that category and it's no wonder. I just want to make a point of this real quick, but it's no wonder that the world keeps winning. You know, and I think of Jesus who commends the shrewd servant. And you know, he and he says like the, the sons of of darkness are more shrewd than the sons of the light. And um and there's Christians need to, like we don't we keep losing a lot of times. I mean, ultimately, Christ never loses. He's the head of the church. He's going to build his church and uh, and the gates of hell, right? The, so the church is an offensive weapon. It's not just the church right. will conserve. The right. church is the true progressive instrument of Christ, right? We're actually making progress. There's regressives, progressives. There's conservatives. And then there's us, the true progressives, who are actually taking hills and advancing, and, and Christ is the head, and so we're, we're going to succeed. But in in moments... Right, Because just like stocks, you know they we're trending up, you know, but but there are dips along the way, and it feels like we've been in a little bit of a dip, yeah, and I think part of the reason there's a dip is because everything that we do and the way that we live, it stems from our theological dispositions and and I think part of the reason the world keeps winning is because the world seems to care more about the world than Christians do. Because it's all they have, and they know it, right? I mean, everything that you were listening to is all rooted in atheism. You know, this is this is it. You know, YOLO, you only live once. It's this life. It's this stuff. It's all material. And Christians, you know, we've had such a pie in the sky, such, you know, to where, you know, we, we, we look at Jeremiah, you know, and we think of, you know, uh, well, you know, as long as, you know, the city prospers, if you prosper, the city prospers, work, work for the welfare of the city. And and that's that that's God's word to Israel as their exiles in in the old covenant. But God's word to New Testament Christians isn't living in, in exile. There's a sense in which we're strangers and wanderers and sojourners. But but we're inheriting the land. We're, we're, yeah. our, I feel like the commandments to us would be much more likened to the commandments that Joshua gave to the Israelites as they're coming into the land of promise and 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 expo- Sppuling the, the enemies of God you know rather than Jeremiah and and Israel and exile and, and babylon and and so I, I think part of it is just that like that this idea of, of two kingdom theology the, 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 this sharp divide between the sacred and the secular this um, this pre mill that you know Jesus is going to come back tomorrow and we 're just shining brass on a sinking ship mm-hmm. and and this idea that um, at least for me that's part of, part of why I went to California to plant churches, which I think some people are called to do. But but for me, you know, I went to California to plant a church because it was just all I saw in the Christian life was plant churches and, and win souls. And, and so I was, well, if that's all it is, let's, you know, let's go to a difficult place behind enemy lines, snatch souls from the fire. And by God's grace, he did a lot. People were saved. The church was planted. It's still going on. It's in good hands. And all those things are wonderful. But as I've gotten older and as my theology has, has I hope by God's grace, has improved, I never want less. Than planting churches and winning souls, I just want more. I, I want to right. start a school. I, I want I want men in my church to start businesses and own businesses and build wealth and buy property and start publishing companies and write books and run for local office. And yes. there's just a lot more that I want to do because yes. because I I want to win and and I want to win this this world and and, and I don't believe that Peter was being literal when he says you know that the earth will dissolve like snow i i I don't think that that's the heart of god i don't think he's cut the the creation is groaning with great expectations for the sons of god to be revealed meaning that creation is groaning for a mercy killing from the lord as some two kingdom guys would interpret so that it can give way no it's groaning to be restored because we have a restored of god who's he's not coming back to to burn it all and start completely over but he's going to restore this earth this world math will be in the new heavens and the new earth what what all truth is god's truth when you think like that, man, then then you fight. And so it's it's like we have the atheistic, you know, woke, uh, um, Marxist, socialist, you know, leftist agenda and, and they're fighting for the world with everything they got because because it's all they have. You know, they're they're like um you know it's it's like like a man with nothing to lose or or, or a man who's like he's down to, to to the last thread the last thing that he has and he, and so they're they're scrappy they're they're not they're not playing nice they're not obeying the eleventh commandment they're not doing they're shrewd they're're they're, they're fighting they're giving it everything they got because it's it, it really is all they have uh, and for Christians we're like, we have heaven um but 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 we've just got such weak theology and such anemic theology and such myopic theology. We don't realize that yes, we have heaven. Yes, we have Christ. Um, but but the new heaven the, in the new earth. This this is where we're going to live with Christ. Yeah, and and, and, and this matters. Yeah. yeah well, so okay. anyway, so I, you yeah,
0: have, you have more to say, but just a, a point on that. That's exact. That's exactly critical. I mean, the Puritans held to a perspective of the future and the world that was very different than the popular eschatology of today. Um, historic Christian tradition has, has has seen in many, many times in many places the role of the church in the world in a very different way than modern Americans or evangelicals in the West. But just two points uh, in terms of the earth. Jesus says um, in uh, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he says the meek shall inherit the earth. That's us. We'll inherit the mm. earth, not the wicked. By the way, he's quoting from the Psalms there, whether it's the wicked mm. who inherit the earth or whether it's... God's people, and Jesus says the meek shall inherit the earth, and so that wasn't a novelty for Jesus. Uh, He's quoting from the Old Testament there, Uh, but also in the premier um, explanation of the gospel itself in Romans, the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says in the first chapter and last chapter that the goal of this gospel is to bring about the obedience of faith uh, among all the nations for the sake of his name. That's the goal of the gospel, to win the world to Jesus Christ. That's the goal. And uh, further, he says when he's talking about Abraham and the promises to Abraham, he says that Abraham's descendants would inherit the world. Mm-hmm. That, that's this place. That's this place. Yeah. And it's interesting you yeah. bring it up. Um, the passage in 2 uh, in Peter chapter 3 about the fire and the dissolution, people think mm-hmm. that that's the literal physical cosmos. Right. Actually, preaching this Sunday on the fact that it's actually not. What we're, what we're, cool. what's interesting about how people think in the West today about about our responsibilities and roles, Christians in terms, they have more of a Gnostic perspective, sometimes a dualist perspective of reality. They think about this higher story out there. That's the spiritual. That's the better. God's not concerned with this. Or they have mm-hmm. just very Gnostic leanings where they th- say, this is a sin cursed creation. There's evil here. God's going to destroy all this because he's not concerned with it. This is like this icky, sin tainted world. And we want to get out to the higher spiritual place out there. Foreign, foreign to a biblical worldview and to to true biblical Christianity, that idea um, no scripture I mean the whole goodness of the gospel is is that it's a it 's a gospel of a kingdom, it has a king mm-hmm. uh, a god king who actually comes to this earth uh, the incarnation was about heaven coming to earth and uh and jesus says i 'm making all things new and i mean that's that 's where we 're going uh the the beauty. of of what well what makes it good news of a kingdom is that it has a king who's ruling over the world drawing the nations to god i mean he shall have dominion from sea to sea from the river to the ends of the earth Hmm. you know you believe that story and you think differently it's true i mean i mean we just have to accept it there's a difference between a church that has a perspective of jesus coming to renew all of this make all things new and to win this world to god you you do tend to live differently when you believe yeah, that I about do. the gospel, that this is a, this is a uh, like you use, progressive, like we're moving into history with the gospel. We right. are taking down the gates, um, and mm-hmm. they, they will never um, withstand what the church is doing. Uh, you tend yeah. to live differently, and you tend to think more long-term, whereas, That's as right. you said, brother, uh, Christians today tend to have a very short-sighted perspective where they think, well, this can all go to hell in a handbasket, but um, I'm just waiting to get out of here and get to that higher story. Right. Whereas if you actually think about it biblically, no, we're supposed to inherit the world, and Jesus is going to come back uh, to a world that he's put under his feet. Now, if you mm-hmm. think like that, you'll live differently. You'll, yep. you'll marry differently. You'll have kids differently. Yep. You'll build That's schools right. differently. You'll build businesses mm-hmm. differently. You'll engage government differently. And um, what's interesting is, is that in this case, we have what we're talking about is a perspective of the future in the world that says i'm okay with the seed being planted because this is going to become a tree one day i'm okay with a little leaven because it's going to actually permeate the entirety of the loaf someday and i'm actually Mm -hmm. thinking long term to like i don't know let's think down to the 500 generations from now how can i build for that you have that perspective and then you have the perspective of the leftists today and the woke people and all the rest they actually have a long-term perspective as well so i think the real collision here is between a truly um uh, holistic, comprehensive, full orbed Christian worldview, and the popular ideology of today that says we'll work and we'll labor for that next generation. Um, and, you know, they're perfectly fine with planting seeds too to become trees, but it's a wicked tree right. with a wicked That's root.
1: That's right. They want to plant poisonous trees, we want to plant, plant trees of life. And I think the difficulty is you're, you're absolutely right. You know, we have this dichotomy between you know two opposing forces, right? In, you know, friendship with the, the world is enmity with God, and and so there's a sense that there's the world, um, and not speaking to the cosmos, but the worldly system uh, that that is underneath, the, held captive by the devil. It's underneath his domain, um, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life. Um, there's that world, the world being used in that sense. There's us. Um, Christians with that holistic, um, full, mature theology. And the tough thing is that there's this third category, um, at least, and I'm sure we could come up with more, but then there's other Christians, and I'm not talking about false converts. Um, I, I'm, I'm saying genuine, you know, as far as we can tell, regenerate brothers and sisters in Christ with not quite the theology that we would hope for them to have, and, and we're getting attacked by both. We're getting flanked. Right, we, so we got the progressives, the atheists, the the God-hating pagan, who of course is against us because they hate Christ, um, and and we are his ambassadors, um, expanding and advancing his kingdom here on earth. Uh, but then we have our brothers on the other side of us, you know, like whenever we just got done with like a, a heated, you know, battle with with the opposition and barely, you know, came out. Alive. And then, you know, you turn around and then there's your brother punching you in the face, you know, sucker punch, you know, and telling you that you weren't nice, you know, and telling that. You, and, and it's like, oh, my goodness. Can I get a break? You know, and it's it's um, it's tough. And that's not to say that we can't sometimes fail in our in our rhetoric and our methods and our tactics. But I do think that there has to be, we have to be ferocious, we have to be bold, we have to be faithful, we have to be shrewd, and we have to play the long game. I like what you were saying that, you know, that, again, that's part of, for me personally, I, I understand that there are some people that God, well, I would make this argument that, like, I think San Diego, where I came from specifically, has to have some gospel preaching churches because I'm not a pacifist. My point being that I do believe that Christians, um, it is permissible, and I think in in some instances good and right for them to serve in the military. If you serve in the military, you're probably going to be stationed at some point in San Diego, and Christians need churches, and so... (laughs) And so facto, you got to have at least some churches in San Diego. So I, I'm not making a case for everyone, but I, I, for myself, and I, I do believe for many other Christians, one of the reasons I want to leave California is not because we're, we're surrendering California to the enemy, but because I think there's something to be said for a momentary tactical retreat. There's something to be said if you're playing the long game, if Jesus perhaps could tarry for another 10,000 years or so, uh, coming out for a couple of generations. Allowing something to implode because it's no longer being propped up by the faithfulness and hardworking and integrity of Christians, and then send our great grandchildren back in to take over the land, and 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 going somewhere like. Arizona or like Texas, and I, you know, there are more conservative states, unfortunately, than Texas. Part of the reason I'm here is because I, I was raised here, I have family here, and I think it's kind of the battle of Bunker's Hill in, in some aspect, right? There's the the deep red, the deep blue, and then there's purple, that, and I keep thinking Revelation three two, strengthen that which uh, remains and is about to die, you know, and, and so fighting to, to save Texas and to save the Union, and you know, just one small piece of that puzzle with many other faithful people long before I got here, but 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 still c- coming out of, of a place that that really needs Jesus like California to a place that it, it may look like surrender to some Christians right with that pre- mill kind of you know with just converts and planting churches it, it, it almost seems like dude you were behind enemy lines and now you're shrinking back um, but but it's uh, I think there, there's there's a way to to fight by flight momentarily that you're that you're going back and um, and it's because not because I want to do less but because there's there's more fertile ground there, there I can there's there's not a state tax there's um there's not all the regulations and all the rules and all the you know and to where okay we can we can start schools here much more easily not that it's impossible in California but it can be done more easily in other states in our union uh we can you know we can do this we can start businesses more easily the men in our church can develop more wealth and more resources more artillery, you know to yeah to then boom, launch forward and and so armies do that if we see ourselves as soldiers if we could see that we actually are in a real fight there 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 really is um a battle that that that's going on and it's being waged all around of us and we have been promised to win um and 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 the battle may not be for 15 more minutes it might actually be for 15,000 more years it just it like you said it just it really does that influences your your battle tactics. It influences your battle strategies.
0: It's for sure, and, it's a strategic it's a strategic move you put before the Lord and you trust Him with it. But, you know what you just said there, uh, brother is is interesting. When you when you say that to the average Christian today, like. Well, we got a plan for you know maybe twenty five thousand more years before Christ returns, and he's right. you know he's had total victory over the world, and he comes to defeat death, and all this is finally resurrected, and you know all of that. And you say you know maybe twenty five, maybe we're in the infancy of the church. Maybe you know right. maybe maybe yeah. you know twenty thousand years from now, people will be calling us the early church,
1: right? <laughs> because uh, you
0: know because where we're at, that really freaks people out. It, and it, it really, sense. it it, and it sometimes it may even bum them out. Like well, what? Right. And, and, and it's, it's interesting to put your finger on that when it bums somebody out or discourages mm. them. What, what do you mean? Um, it's good to put a finger on that, okay? What if it's true? There's been so many generations before us who would have, of course, hoped for Christ to return for the final resurrection and the judgment, and they lived and they died. So what would your advice have been to them? What should they have done, knowing that Christ did right. not return for the final uh, judgment and resurrection? How should mm-hmm. they have lived? What should they have done? What should they have laid down for us? Um, and what does it do in your mind, as a as a as a person who loves the Lord Jesus and wants to preach the gospel and see the world transformed by His grace and salvation? What what should you do if there were twenty five thousand more years ahead of us in right. Christian history? Would you build differently? Would you would you look at your kids differently and think about yeah.
1: hmm,
0: how can I educate them? <laughs> you know, right. would uh right. would would you would you would you do would you extend the work of the church differently even in terms of some of the things you're talking about in terms of education schools encouraging the men of the church to you know build businesses and establish wealth to be able to pass down for the benefit Mm -hmm. of the kingdom and their families uh would you would you actually encourage the men in your church differently in terms of uh being prophetic and, and faithful in the area of the realm the sphere that god has established of government Um, You know, we have men in Apologia Church right now that we're speaking to and raising up uh, to get into positions of local government as explicitly as Christian men uh, Mm -hmm. with a commitment to Christ and his lordship and the word of God. You know, you just you tend to think a lot differently about the world when you have a perspective of Christ's kingship and authority and rule uh, that says that uh, he owns all of this. And and my role. As, as being a member of the Bride of Christ, of the body of Christ. My role is to be faithful to him, to love him, and to preach the gospel of the kingdom, and to preach the good news of salvation, and to bring his crown rights into every single corner of the world and life. That's right.
1: Um, this is mine. Know, it, this it, is it, mine.
0: This is mine. Everything belongs to Jesus. And let's be honest, if we're truly honest and humble— with ourselves and looking at our circumstances, we have to confess to something. And that's that the the typical mindset, the typical mindset of the evangelical in the West is, um, well, Christ is Lord, yes, of lords, yes, King of kings, yes. But he doesn't have anything to say to our government. Like, he's not really concerned Mm -hmm. with that. And he's not so concerned with this area over here. You know, that's that over there is... That's secular. That's not a sacred thing. That's not that's not something that's you know really pertains to the Christian worldview. And um, that's just not the case. That's just not right. the case. You know.
1: Yeah, we, and I think part of that disconnect is we we just we're missing the Great Commission. That's what I'm uh, saying. For no, for no, one, no. I, we're missing it. <laughs> so, for, well, let me let me just hop in for a second. Part So part of it, I think we're missing the last piece of the Great Commission. It's not just to make disciples, but but we're called to go and to, to make disciples, baptizing people into the triune God, the name of the triune God, and teaching them to obey all of Christ's commands, not just some of his commands, but all of his commands. And so I think, one, we're missing that last piece of the Great Commission, but then two, uh, we're also missing, um, you know, we're missing... Again, the fact that Jesus said, "I will build my church," so here's the great commission. That's 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 um. Well, it's, it's the mission statement. It's this is how we're going to accomplish? It's like the vision is, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it." The mission, the, the the practical details of how Christ is going to accomplish this, is the great commission. I'm going to do it by sending you out to make disciples, to baptize people into the name of the Triune God, and uh, to teach them to obey all my commands. And I think. We, we one we miss the obey all my commands teach people to do that we miss that part but then two we also miss I will build my church and hell won't win yeah uh, that Christ will win and so if you add that together right that holistic you know well-rounded theology all right so Christ has a mission and he's already told us that it's going to succeed now what is the mission how is he exactly going to bring this about um it's like this well then um, then you have to believe that you're going to disciple the nations. And you have to believe uh, that you're going to teach people to obey all of Christ's commands, and and it's going to be successful. Not that there will be no unregenerate people, but that it will generally, overall, the nations will come into submission to Christ's lordship, obeying Christ's commands. And and if you think about that, then then at that point, you you don't even have to talk. I mean, you do, but you don't even have to talk about theonomy or theocracy. It's just like, okay, well, if I'm discipling the nations and part of discipling means teaching them to obey all of Christ's commands, and Jesus said it's going to work, some of those people are going to be in government. So some yep. of those people are going to be a mayor or a governor. Like, and yep. does Christ's what, what word is, apply to that?
0: Yeah, you know, It's is, just
1: logical as yeah, much as is, it is biblical.
0: Yeah, what does a converted uh, nation look like in terms of their obedience to Jesus? Will right. they obey him in government? I believe so. Are they going to obey him in media? I believe so in their arts, right. in their education, in their families, in their churches. It's it's funny, brother. And I do actually speaking of family, I have to go soon to eat dinner. But maybe we can do a part two <laughs> of this. We need to do this yeah. again. Um, yeah.
1: um,
0: it's a popular question right now, brother, and it, it's it's honestly stunning to me. I'm sure it's stunning to you it, from two perspectives. From two perspectives, uh, one you've got um, humanists and atheists and secularists today. Uh, asking questions. Now, I don't even know what this completely means to them. I haven't investigated it fully, but talking about Christian nationalists, I'm not saying I am. I don't even know what that group is. But I hear them saying, like, these are people who believe that it should be a a Christian nation. And I'm scratching my head going, okay, I don't understand why you what other that. nation do you want it to be? <laughs> and then you have uh, Christians on the other side saying the same thing. Are, are you saying that you're trying to win this nation to Jesus, like so that, like you know, it's it's a fully Christian government, and they 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 look to the law of God? And I, I'm thinking to myself here, I am so confused. Are, I know that COVID feels like the Twilight Zone, but are we really in the Twilight Zone here? <laughs> because I thought that right. this was uh, understood completely that the Christian right. Church's right. mission, based upon the Great Commission is to bring all the nations to Christ so that they're Christian nations and that they obey Jesus' law. So am I trying to make the nation that I'm in, America, fully submissive submissive to Jesus Christ, to his lordship and to his law? I thought we all had a mutual agreement on that. (laughs) That, right. That was, no, that,
1: I'm with you, and I think the nationalism thing, as I because I've delved into it a little bit recently too. Because one, one thing that I heard Aaron rin say, we had him as a guest on our podcast, and on one of his episodes of his podcast, The Masculinist, he said, you know, it's funny in the gospel centered try that a lot of times is it's, it's you know gospel centered implies that there's something it's the center which means there's something around it. I like to think that what's flanking the gospel to the left and the right is the law of God. The first use, (laughs) revealing their need for for the gospel. And the third use, telling them how then they should live in light of the gospel, not how to merit God's favor, but how to live as a response of gratitude for the free favor we have in Christ Jesus. So we have law, law, the gospel's in the center. That's gospel-centeredness. In that sense, I am absolutely gospel-centered. But a lot of my gospel-centered kind of friends that are, I would say, gospel myoptic and gospel- only, um, you know, I, I used to be a part of Acts twenty nine, so I, I, there's some good guys there, and there's some guys that I, I I would have some words to share with them, but but in in that camp and some of the gospel centered myoptic guys, um, it's it's funny, you know, in the gospel center tribe, it's all about you know in and for the city, in and for the city, in and for the city, um, and 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 you'll see, you know, like church planters, they'll have uh, their city's flag, you know. Um, uh, you know hanging off of their house and it 's just all about i i very much identifying with christ to, to be fair to them to identifying with christ- predominantly primarily first um, but secondarily recognizing that we have secondary identities right i 'm a Christian. i 'm in christ first but i 'm also male i 'm also a husband and father and 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 one of the big secondary identities for them is i 'm i 'm a citizen of this city, and so it 's in and for the city, love the city identify with the city but it's it 's bad if you do that with your country mm. isn 't that funny yeah. You know, it's it's so funny. So, like in and for the city, we're all about the city. You know, God of the city. What what about God of this nation? And yeah. I and I think nationalism in its worst, what you and I would both reject is is nationalism that would say that America has replaced Israel. Um, right. We believe yeah. the church, right? So so we don't want to uh, throw America into the equation where it should be the church no. is Israel, and and so well, I think
0: that's um what the most devastating underlying beliefs of many evangelicals is that idea. Uh, the, mm-hmm. things that are associated with that idea for sure
1: yep so anyways that, that's all good we'll, we'll go ahead and land the plane because i know you got to go but uh bringing it back yeah, to I the tone that. this and is ser- really
0: great we really do need to extend this conversation <laughs> we well, and i have more to talk about so why don't we just plan on doing? I, into-
1: I think so I, yeah. w- I would love to so just landing the plane i want to bring it back to the um the tone issue the serrated edge uh, i want to just play the devil's advocate and give you one chance to respond and then we can go ahead and conclude but um you, you know you said like i'm i'm you know this is such a big issue. Uh, these these woke harlots, you know, and, and sadly, some of them are in the church. Some of them might be brothers, genuine brothers who are deceived, um, but others, I, I think, are perhaps people who have gone apostate. They're they're not uh, they're false converts. They're not true brothers. Um, it 's a big deal it's it's uh it 's destructive it 's destroying it 's not tertiary it 's not secondary it 's primary it 's another gospel destroying the gospel destroying churches destroying souls um, and that 's why I use that language i want to cry out against them All right so here 's the devil 's advocate um oh jeff you want to cry out against them but i it was the fight last feast conference you 're crying out against them 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 aren 't there and so you know, you're talking to people who, for the most part, don't you assume that those kind of guys, you know, in that in that context already agree with you? So why use a serrated edge, such sharp tone, if your audience is already compelled, if your audience for, for in general is is already with you? Um, now, I, I, I defend what you did, and I have my answer, but I'd like to hear yours.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And uh, thankfully, there's a number of ways I can answer that. Um, but I think I'll go for the, I'll go for the, the throat for, the, for this one in terms of okay. what should be obvious. Praise God for technology. Praise, God for, praise God for the wealth of technology. And thank, praise God for the Christian worldview that uh, blessed science and, and gave us all this so that we could be doing even what you and I are doing right now. Right. I knew in going to the conference that that sermon was going to be seen uh, globally. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't just speaking to that crowd. I was That's preaching— right in the public square that was not by the way a sunday sermon i was not in a local church Mm -hmm. context i was at a conference i saw it as the public square it was the public square because now the public square is in people's pockets and so that sermon has been seen and uh i I think i last i saw in terms of where it went i think about five hundred thousand times all over planet earth and um Mm -hmm. Uh, specifically mostly in in countries uh, in the West where I needed it to go. And so you'll note also that I spent that last portion of the message directly responding to the woke pastors and to people who would consider themselves woke. I was talking to them because I was talking from the public square.
1: Right, because they were there. In a yep. sense because yep. of so i 'm with you one hundred percent because Jesus uses a serrated, serrated edge with the Sadducees the Pharisees um, he 's not necessarily always talking that way with the disciples, although sometimes he 's a bit rough with the disciples always as well hard, you know um, but but that I, I thought the same thing. I just think that because of the day and age that we live in. Uh, there's a sense in which a pastor is—he is preaching first to God, which sounds funny, but do all your work as as unto the Lord. Um, I always think I'm, I'm doing God's I'm doing God's work by preaching, and the first thing that I want to do is I want to preach a sermon that blesses the heart of God. I want to preach faithfully. I think of R.C. Sproul's children book, uh, children's book, the priest with dirty clothes that he stand, hes preaching his first sermon uh, before the king. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm preaching before God. And so first we're preaching to God. Second, we're preaching to his sheep. We're feeding the sheep. Uh, third, we are, we are preaching to, um, well, they would still be sheep. They're not goats, but, uh, the elect that, that we hope some might be goats, but that we hope that God would bring to salvation. But then there's this fourth component where we, we are, we're preaching to Kings and, and principalities and governors and rulers. And, um, there is a prophetic, uh, Sense this, you know, lowercase p prophetic sense um, exercise of the church, where we are calling nations to repentance and people who aren't even physically there, especially because of technology and what we have today. Um, that. that, that people are hearing it there is a sense in which the public square i love what you said it's in your pocket so anyways we'll, we'll go ahead and uh end today i would love to do a part two with you if you're if you're down let's for do. that i know you're really busy so um but yeah, i'll hit you up um so you could you just tell our listeners how they can follow you how they can be praying for you and and just yeah, see what you're yeah, up to well,
0: uh pray pray if you would please everybody please pray specifically uh, right now uh the biggest burden of my heart Other than the church that God has called me to shepherd is uh, for our ministry in the era of abortion. Um, uh, The biggest fight we have, and we can do probably a whole whole show on this, brother, and we probably should. Uh, The biggest fight we have is not necessarily with the pro-choicers. That is a fight. But the pro-life industry is um let's just put it this way the bills of abolition and criminalization that are truly for equal justice and equal protection for human beings in the womb have all been shut down in all the states that they were put in thus far uh not by the pro-choicers the pro-choicers barely had to lift a finger in all those states it was the pro-life industry that killed all these bills um Mm. and so there's a lot of educating that needs to be done for christians uh around the world Uh, There's a lot of exposure that needs to happen in terms of exposing the inconsistencies of the pro-life industry. Um, There's a lot of prophetic ministry that needs to go against that. So be be in prayer for that. Be in prayer for this year as we try to establish justice for the pre-born and try to raise up more churches. And uh, if you want to get more, you go to ApologiaStudios.com. And uh, you can get uh, tons of content, hundreds of radio shows, podcasts. We have a number of different podcasts. Uh, we have tons of content at Apologia Studios on YouTube. I mean, just countless hours of, of, of on-the-street stuff and teaching and all kinds of really cool things, shows. Um, and um, also, good news is we just nailed down a date today uh, for when we're releasing Bonson U uh, Bonson University, over 1,900 Ooh. lectures, audio lectures. There's videos uh, that no one's ever seen before. will all ultimately wow. be up at Bonson U. It's going to be completely for free. This is essentially like the world-class best seminary education you could get for free from Apology. Wow. And it's Bonson U. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just say the month uh, and make sure I confirm the date. Uh, it's going to be in April uh, when it's released. And uh it's a lot of lectures and stuff we're trying to master some of the audio and fix some things, so over nineteen hundred audio lectures, sermons uh seminary courses um let me just say, I believe brother that this this gift that the Bonson family has given to me is going to be such a gift to the church. It's going to bless the world uh and and change mm. it in so many ways through god's truth um and it's all going to be free. <laughs> free uh it's unbelievable and uh, i'm I'm still stunned uh that i that i'm saying that and uh that god's given that tremendous uh privilege to us at apologia Mm. so bonson you uh it will be available for free um and uh that's coming in april
1: awesome cool thanks jeff so much and uh thanks for coming on the show and i'd love to do it again sometime soon
0: my pleasure my honor thank you
1: as a special thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll be happy
0: to send you a free digital book from our store. To access this offer, visit rightresponseministries.com offer. We highly recommend Pastor Joel's book, Am I Truly Saved? If you or someone you know has wrestled with doubts about the love of God, this would be a great resource. As a reminder, to get this offer, go to rightresponseministries.com offer. And thank you for your generous support.